How many of you love spiders? You love spiders? I don't see a lot of hands going up. What's going on? I get one. Thank you. All right. Most people, you don't really have a good fond appreciation of spiders, and I get that. And most of the time you see a spider and you want to get rid of it or a spider comes into your proximity and spider, you must die because you've come near me. And this summer I was out on the uh, back porch at our house and I I love being back there and doing sermon prep or studying or just being back there when it's nice out. And then Joel was back there with me and we noticed a little spider that was uh, hanging down from one of the tables and it was, it was going down, and then it was going up. And I thought, that's pretty cool. It's like this little spider. It's like Spider-Man, if Spider-Man was a spider. Um, yeah. So we were watching this little spider, and I'm going back to my reading, and every once in a while I'm looking up. And after it's going up and down for a while, then I notice it's kind of going side to side. And I realize, oh, this spider, it's making this, I think it's making the spokes for making a web. And I've never really watched a spider make a web from like beginning to end, like the whole process. I, I had no idea how long it took. Uh, so I just kind of watched this little guy go at it. And I took a picture. This is a, a picture. And it makes it look like this is an enormous spider. I mean, it was, it was really little, okay? Uh, but it did its thing, and it, it made the spokes. And then I watched it start. It started, it had a little central hub, and then it started going around and doing circles. And it built this elaborate web. And I wish I could have got a better picture of the web, but just a, a thing of beauty, actually, and workmanship. And I decided I'm not going to kill this spider. I admire this spider. I admire its industrious attitude. I admire what it's doing. This is one of God's uh, creation, and it's doing what it was, it was created to do. And I just I admired this spider. And so it got to live, and it built this web, and that day there happened to be a lot of, uh, for whatever reason, a bunch of flies that were bothering me. So I was extra happy. Like, good job, spider. Help me out with this. One fly came by, and so I kind of swatted a little bit, and it flew right into the web, and uh, the spider got it. Took care of it. And I think, if I remember right, it probably took the spider, maybe it was like 20 minutes and a half hour to start the process and to uh, make the web, and then it caught itself uh, dinner. And the next day, we had fellowship dinner, so Hope moved the table, wrecked its web. Uh, But then the next day, I was out there, and I watched it, and it just started the whole process again and made this. Today, we are talking from the book of Proverbs about laziness and diligence. And these are two topics that are both very relevant to the world that we live in today and also very prominent in the the book of Proverbs. If you look at your outline, you will see there are lots of references, more than we will be able to address today, even though we will address quite a bit. Some of those are on the back side of the bulletin that you can look at. And I hope today won't be the only day that you look at these or that you ponder these, but that this will be a start to think about this as we think about um, what does the book of Proverbs as a whole tell us about these topics of, of laziness on the one side or hard work or diligence on the other. And let it speak to us. And hopefully not just as we think about you know, other people that you know, we're disappointed with or society or different policies. And I think there are applications, but we want to look at our own hearts and what are the, the motives, what are we like in our hearts as well? And what is God commending in these passages? And what is he discouraging us against? So, the first half of this message, we're going to talk about laziness. 
And basically you say laziness is foolishness. At the heart of that, this is what uh, the book of Proverbs is letting us know. It tells us what is wisdom, what is the right way, the skillful way to live our lives. And being lazy is not that. Being lazy is not the, the skillful, good way to live our lives, the way that tends to have good outcomes. Instead, laziness is foolishness. I'm going to give you three sub-points to this. And the first is that there's no beauty in laziness. This is not an admirable thing. Here are some of the uh, Proverbs that we can look at. One, Proverbs 26.14, As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Just think of the imagery that it's having here. It's like a lazy person. Uh, you, you think of a door and it's got its hinges. It's just... doesn't really move, just kind of turns. And saying that's what a lazy person, a sluggard, is like just on their bed. They don't really go anywhere. They don't really do anything. They just turn over and that's the extent of it. And I think part of what this is communicating is that this is not an attractive picture. This is not a, a beautiful thing to look at. And there's a few other Proverbs I think that communicate the same truth. Here's another one. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wearies him out to bring it back to his mouth. This is really kind of mocking the the lazy person. It's like, you're so lazy that, yeah, you you love that food. You love dipping your hand in that bowl of M&M's. But then you're like, ah, I don't get the energy to even bring it back to my mouth. I'm worn out. That's too much work. And so really this is another proverb. I think it's almost mocking just the attitude of someone that is, is lazy, saying you're being like that. This is, again, not a beautiful or a good thing. Another proverb that communicates that, Proverbs 10, 26, like vinegar to the teeth. So imagine that, just a mouthful of vinegar. And smoke to the eyes. love getting the smoke right in your eyes. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Just an irritant. Just an awful thing. So laziness is, first of all, we'll say it's just simply unattractive. This is not a beautiful thing. It's not an admirable thing. It is not an attractive thing. So guys, if your goal, if you want to keep the girls away forever, okay, just be a lazy slob. Okay, that's just a tip for you. If, the, if that is your goal, you know, be on the couch covered with Cheeto dust because uh, that's, you know, that's what the ladies are looking for. You know, it's not an admirable thing. So laziness, uh, it, it's foolishness. And one of the things, it's, it's, there's no beauty in this. It's not an attractive thing. So the second point is that lazy people make weak excuses for their laziness. And what I did is I collected all the different verses on uh, both laziness, and I tried to group them, and what are some of the things that they're trying to get across. And one of those that uh, is from uh, Proverbs 26.13. There's a similar verse in 22.13, but it says this. It says, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, there's a lion in the streets. Another version says, there's a lion outside, I should be killed in the streets. And then what is this saying? This is saying somebody is, they're lazy, they're a sluggard, they don't want to work, they don't want to put forth effort. 
And so they're, they're giving a reason for this. Oh, there's, there might be a lion in the streets. There might be danger out there. I'll be, I'll be killed. I'll be eaten. I can't get out of bed. I can't go to work and I can't do anything because there might be a lion out there and it might kill me. And so it's just a, a weak excuse. And I think what this is getting across to us is that if you have an attitude, a habit, a mindset of laziness, people are always going to have some kind of reason to justify that to say why this is the case. Most time, lazy people don't think of themselves as lazy. And that's where this can be a, a tough message for us because we can think of other people as lazy, but sometimes we don't recognize that in our own hearts. And the times when we are not you know, feeling uh, motivated. And I said to my wife yesterday, I said, I, I don't feel motivated to work on my sermon on laziness, uh, ironically enough. <laughs> But we ended up doing that. But we can always make excuses, you know, for that. And sometimes it can be, well, think of all the different things that you hear. It can be, you know, health excuses. Well, you know, I got, uh, you know, this, this injury or my back hurts or whatever. And sometimes there's legitimate things, but there can be a lot where it's like, well, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Or it's like, I just don't feel like it. You know, it's... Uh, I think it's not just teenagers, but it can be a lot of people like, well, just my, my head is, I got, I got the brain fog today and I just, I can't do anything. And sometimes if you're waiting for yourself to feel like you're motivated to get out there, it's just never going to happen. Sometimes you, you have to get working to change that attitude, to change how you feel, to get that momentum in life. But people make excuses about fairness, about timing. This just isn't the time for it. I'm, I'm waiting for a better offer. I'm waiting for a management position. You can always find some kind of excuse that you have to, to slack off, to not do what you need to do. Um, and sometimes there's something, there's an element of truth in it. You know, you have to have your proper rest. You have to have your boundaries. You know, I have to guard my, you know, our, our, my me time. And, and maybe if there was an era where... Uh, the majority of people were kind of workaholics and needed to be told to rest. I wonder if the pendulum's kind of shifted the other way quite a bit, where there's so much, I got to have my personal time, my personal care, my boundaries, that that becomes almost like the, uh, the, the, the main thing, the default, as if, you know, God had rested six days and then just worked one. Uh, forgetting the, the pattern is that God gave us work, that it is a good thing. So we need to look in our own hearts in times that we need to kind of overcome this, uh, this inertia, this, um, just this slothful attitude that sometimes we have and not make excuses for it. Because you're always going to be able to come up with some kind of excuse if that's what you're looking to do. But here's, the, I think, the big one. In most of the Proverbs that are listed in the book of Proverbs, I think hit on this last point about laziness and why it is foolish is that laziness leads to poverty. Laziness leads to poverty. Let me give you several of these as just samples of this. Proverbs 19.15, Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. So you're idle, it's going to cast you slothful, it's going to go into deep sleep, and you're going to result in, in hunger. Proverbs 24, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn, and he will seek at harvest and have nothing. 
He doesn't do what's required at the time that it ought to happen. And so when the harvest time comes, oh, there's nothing there because he didn't do what needed to be done ahead of time. Another one, Proverbs twenty thirteen. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. So if you are just a lover of sleep, you're just such a lover of rest, uh, it can result, it will result in, in poverty. But if you open your eyes and get out of bed, get to work, it can result in having enough bread. Give me one last one here, even though there's quite a few more. Proverbs 21, 25 through 26. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Stop there. It's saying this desire, the motivation of the sluggard, ends up destroying him. And the reason for that is he just refuses to labor, doesn't want to work. And then in verse 26, it says, All day long he craves and craves. He wants and has this desire, but it's not fulfilled because he doesn't want to do what is required to, to get what he needs. But it says, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. So uh, this is going to get into the next you know, part of being diligent, working hard. It's not just for you so that you can have your needs and what you want, but you can even have extra to give to other people, to share, to contribute to others. whole different attitude. So we think about this, we think about the idea of, of, of laziness, being a, a sluggard, being slothful, the ways that these are described. And again, these are just a sample of some of these passages in Proverbs, not painting a very winsome, wonderful picture of this attitude. You know, this is, this is a vice. This is something that we're supposed to uh, be uh, having against with our attitude. And it's saying, this last part here, that it tends to result in poverty. Yeah. If you don't work, it tends to result in not having food, not having the things that you need. And I think it's pretty easy to, to realize that and how that works. Now, there's always can be exceptions to this, and we remember that Proverbs are not, uh, you know, general, they're not uh, absolute rules, but this is how the, the world works. This is how it, it goes along. There's a cause and effect relationship. And so we think of this, I mean, there's a lot of applications. You know, we don't want to be people that uh, have laziness in our hearts. I think for parents, we don't want to be uh, parents that are raising kids to be, you know, lazy, that have everything just, you know, handed to them and, and they're never expected to work. We want to help them to have an attitude of, of work, of diligence that we're going to talk about in a bit. But it would be so easy to give so many examples from society today of uh, attitudes of people not wanting to work. I mean, how many have gone into a store somewhere recently and they've reduced hours because they can't get workers? And right now everyone's looking for, for jobs. There's a uh, shortage and uh, oftentimes it's because there's uh, people that just right now don't want to work. This is a epidemic, I think, in a lot of different ways. And we need to uh, hopefully be a society and as Christians, people that do care about work. We recognize that work is a good thing. It is a valuable thing. God is a worker. We're going to talk about this. Work is given to us before the fall. It is not a curse. But there's also a lot of different ways that someone can be uh, kind of lazy. Uh, I read a book. It was called The Vanishing American Adult by Ben Sass. 
And he told a story that really stood out to me. Uh, at the time, he was uh, the president of a, a liberal arts college, a Christian liberal arts college. And it was Christmas time. There were some students that were assigned the task of putting up a Christmas tree on the college campus. And it was a group of you know, able-bodied, bright you know, college students you know, leaders at the school, and they were told to put up this tree and decorate it. They were given the tree, they were given the decorations, and they went to work, and they started putting together the tree. It was a large tree. It was about 20 feet, so it was a bit of work to put this together, uh, but they got the tree put together, and they put it up, and they started decorating it, and they, at one point, they put the, the decorations on, and then they figured, well, we're done, and they, just, they were about to leave, and the, uh, the vice president of the school went by and saw them that they were about to leave and said, hey, wait, wait a second, you have the tree only decorated about eight feet high. And the rest of this tree is, they were going to leave it uh, just completely undecorated above what they could reach. And he said, what are you doing? And they said to him, well, we decorated as high as we could, we just we couldn't figure out how to get the ornaments up there, and so they were just going to leave. And again, this is, these are college students. These are bright, capable college students, you know, athletes and leaders. And this administrator said to them, did, you, did they not have a ladder in, uh, anywhere around? Did you not talk to a, a custodian or take some initiative to ask someone how you could find a ladder, how you could problem solve? And it just hadn't occurred to them. They did what they could, what was easy for them, and they decided, well, I guess, I guess we're done, and they were going to just leave. And in this book, The Vanishing American Adult, uh, Ben Sass talks about this as just being an example of just this epidemic attitude. And I think it reminds us that there are different forms of laziness, that we shouldn't just think of laziness as being unwilling to do physical work. I mean, that is a part of it. There is physical laziness and not willing to put together effort. But there's also mental laziness, not being willing to, to, to think, to, to uh, use your mind. There's laziness as far as initiative, willpower, not being willing to uh, tackle problems, to, to stick to it, to try and overcome obstacles. So when we think about this, when we think about laziness, when we think about diligence, I think don't just think the workplace and don't just think physical work. I think that is part of it. It definitely is. But there's lots of different ways that I think this, epi- this epidemic of laziness has really affected all of us and affected our society. So we need to be people that are trying to overcome that. We need to help our kids to overcome that, to have a different type of attitude uh, than these people that were going to leave the Christmas tree half set up and just think, well, that's good enough. So, if you have laziness on one side, the other side of the equation, we don't want to be like the slug here, the sluggard. Instead, uh, we want to be diligent. And we'll see at the end here why the, why the ant is in the picture. But diligence is wise. So the opposite of uh, foolishness is wisdom. Again, foolishness is making decisions uh, that tend to lead to bad outcomes, where wisdom is making decisions that tend to lead to, to good outcomes. 
It's different from just being intellectually smart, but it's making decisions that just tend to work well, that go along with how the world is created, how the world is designed. So we had the three points that I gave you for, uh, for laziness. These points that I'm going to give you for diligence are going to kind of mirror those, but in the opposite direction. Okay, they're going to be kind of reverse order. So whereas laziness tends to lead to poverty, diligence leads to prosperity. Let me give you several examples. There's quite a few. Proverbs 10.4, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the writ, diligent, makes rich. So there you get the contrast that uh, the slack hand, the one that doesn't want to work, that doesn't want to put together effort, this tends to result in poverty, in need and to want. Uh, but the hand of the diligent, the one that's working hard and diligently, uh, tends to result in, it says, make rich. Give the things that are needed. Now let me just say, this is not going to be a message about uh, some kind of health and wealth. We're not going to say that riches and material wealth in this life are the ultimate good or things that you should be going after. Uh, they are not. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the Proverbs here are telling us that there is a general connection. There is a correlation between our effort and the results that we have in our life. They are not, the Proverbs are not meant to be absolute rules or absolute promises. So there are exceptions. And so I need to note that as well too. The Bible uh, talks about as far as those that are wealthy, there are the, the righteous wealthy and there are the unrighteous wealthy. Okay, And for those that are poor, there are the, the righteous poor and there are also the unrighteous poor. Okay, So don't make the mistake of thinking either, well, if you're rich, that must mean you are righteous, and if you're poor, that means you're, uh, you're terrible. Or the other way around, which a lot of people do today as well, that, well, it's, the rich are always evil, and the poor are, are always, uh, they're always good, and, and they're the, the righteous victims. It all depends on attitude. There's so many different factors. But what the Proverbs are letting us know is that there is a correlation oftentimes, very oftentimes, built in between our effort. And it doesn't mean that you're going to end up, you know, just with stacks of gold in your backyard. That's not what we're talking about. But uh, just having, having the things that, that you need, oftentimes there's this correlation. And wisdom is realizing this, that it makes sense to work hard. It makes sense to be diligent that all things being equal, that is what tends to have your needs provided. That if you go to work and you are a good worker, that you will be able to pay for your food and your, and your rent or mortgage. Whereas if you don't and you slack off and you just sleep all day or play video games, yes, that will lead to you not having food or needing to live off other people's funds or something like that. There's a correlation here. So we see one verse. Give me, give you a few more here. Proverbs twelve twenty seven. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, 
So if you are, if you're lazy, you're probably not going to, uh, you know, this is in a society where you would, um, you know, you're hunting, you're not going to get your thing, you're not going to make your catch and be able to roast your your meat later on if you're slothful and lazy. But on the flip side, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So again, more of these passages that show that there's in, there tends to be a general correlation between working hard and having needs met, having this things supplied to you. Again, yes, there are exceptions, but there's a general correlation, and therefore, it makes sense, it is wise to, to be a, a person that works and a person that is, is diligent and not a person that is, that is lazy. I'm giving you a lot of different Proverbs because I wanted to uh, each tell us a little bit a different aspect of this, but also just realizing it's not just one or two, but there's lots of these that God in Proverbs is trying to get this across to us. A few things before we move on. The opposite of laziness isn't just hard work, but diligence. For a while, I had the title of this message, Laziness and Hard Work, because I thought to myself, well, that's the, op- the, uh, the opposite of laziness. I'm going to talk about, you don't want to be lazy, you want to be someone that works hard. And to make the point, and we've talked about this in the past, that work is something that is not a curse. Work is a good thing because God is a God who works. You read the book of Genesis and from the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And then God, for the six days of creation, he is, he's working. He rests on the seventh day. God is a worker. And then he puts Adam and Eve in the garden. And he gives them the garden to work it. And this is before sin comes into the world. This is before the fall. And so we need to remember that uh, work is not a, a shameful thing. Work is not a curse that we try to escape. But we are created to, to work. And there's lots of different forms of work. It's not just the, you know, going to your job, clocking in and clocking out. That's part of it, probably. But we are created to make society better. We're created to uh, do things that are going to both take care of ourselves, but also benefit others. And this, these are good things. And so I thought, well, that's probably a lot of what I'll talk about in this message. Don't be lazy. Instead, we want to work hard. But as I looked at these passages, we always need to let the the actual scripture shape the message. Just one of the things that struck me is that the terminology in Proverbs didn't contrast laziness as much to hard work as it did to use the word diligence over and over. And so if you go back and look at the passages that we just looked at, uh, you'll see it uses that word diligence. And maybe sometime you could even in the back of your bulletin, uh, maybe, you know, circle the words that tend to talk about laziness, laziness, uh, being slack, being slothful, being like a sluggard, and then underline the ones that talk about, you know, the positive things. And you're going to be underlining the word diligent quite a bit. So I realized that the message that we need to think about from the book of Proverbs letting what God actually says shape this, it's not just about working hard, but it's about being diligent in our work. And I think hard work is, is part of that, but it's not, it's not the whole thing. 
Because a lot of people can work hard in spurts. Well, they work hard just for a little bit in spurts here and there, and then they wonder, well, why are things going the way they should? I, I was working hard for a few days, or a few minutes, or a few months, or whatever it is. But it's not just working hard in spurts, but it's working diligently over time as long as you need to do that. So I was thinking about diligence and what's a way to describe that. Now, I'm going to say it like this. Diligence means that you do what you need to do as hard as you need to do it for as long as you need to do it. Let me say that again. Diligence means that you do what you need to do as hard as you need to do it for as long as you need to do it. So it's not just here and there working in spurts, but there's a consistency to this. It's, it's long-term. And to realize that if you want to live the type of life, and, and here this is going to especially apply to young people because you have your life in front of you, and if you're thinking, well, I'm in school, and I'll wait till later on to start working hard, you're starting too late. Start being somebody that is a hard worker now, that puts forth the effort that you need to do in your schooling. So you're learning the things that you need to learn. You're also developing the type of character and work ethic and attitude that you need that's going to carry you on. If you're used to being lazy and sitting on the couch and just doing nothing and blowing off responsibilities and blowing off chores, and you think that just all of a sudden you're going to flip a switch and now you're this hard, dedicated worker. It doesn't happen like that. These are, these are habits that are formed. These are character traits that are formed over time with good decisions. And the effort that you put now, even uh, in, in school, uh, in your schooling, are both going to shape you and they're going to let you know what opportunities you have later on. And once you graduate, there's going to be other work that you need to do, maybe even before you hit your career. And that might mean, you know, getting career training, learning a trade. It might mean going to college, learning hopefully a useful skill uh, that you can do to uh, be able to do something that uh, is beyond just uh, what you could be doing if you had spent 20 years uh, just doing nothing but laying on the couch. You're developing yourself. You're, You're... developing both your character and your skills and your competency. And so it's a long-term thing. So don't just think of it as uh, you're going to, every once in a while, you know, work hard for a few minutes or a few days or whatever and then give up because, oh, it just, everything's against me and it just doesn't turn out. Now, if you're uh, older, you can't go back in time, but you can start now moving ahead, doing what you can, to improve your character, improve your track record, improve your, your resume if that's what's needed. And just keep moving forward with God's grace and with God's help and developing yourself into the person that he wants you to be, that he's calling you to be, to fulfill your calling in all these different areas. Also, diligence requires delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. I'll give you a verse Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So I think what this is getting at is that if you're like, well, I just, hasty, I want to take the quick route, okay, and just the, the, the quick thing, and I want the immediate satisfaction 
That doesn't end well. That ends in poverty, taking the quick route. Uh, but if you make plans, you're diligent in it. That's what leads to abundance. And so this gets at the idea of, of delayed gratification. That means putting off the, the benefit, putting off the, the part that gratifies you uh, till later, and doing the thing that is hard, doing the thing that is unpleasant first, and being to push it off. I can't prove this. I'd like to do a study one day, but I believe that I could predict people's future based on how they eat Lucky Charms cereal. Okay, how many of you have enjoyed a good bowl of Lucky Charms? I want you to think of how you eat Lucky Charms. Because there are some folks here uh, that eat all the marshmallows first. And you do that. And I think if, not knowing you, and I won't ask for hands, but if I had to predict your future, it would be living under a bridge. Okay? Or living in a van down by the river. Okay? Because you don't know delayed gratification. You're just going for the goods first. Now there's another type of people. Some people just eat it spoonful mixed, however it comes to you. Now I thought about this, and I thought this could be two different types of people. If it's some people that are like, well, you know, I just, I just take it as it comes. Okay, you're going to grow up and be a hippie. Uh, <laughs> but maybe you're like, well, I like it balanced. And okay, maybe you'll turn out okay, if that's your view. But then there are the people that they eat all of the, the non-marshmallows first, And then at the end, just marshmallows. Your future CEO of a Fortune 500 company. (laughs) Maybe not exactly. But there's something to be said about having this attitude of delayed gratification that you can push off the the reward until later. You know, in Stanford in 1972, they did an experiment with kids. It's called the Stanford Marshmallow Experiments. And they took these young kids and they put them in a room and they put a marshmallow in front of them, okay? And they said, you know, kids love marshmallows. And they said, and the kids wanted to eat it. And they said, okay, you can make a choice. You can eat this marshmallow now or I'm going to leave the room and I'm going to come back in 15 minutes. And if you didn't eat that marshmallow, now, then you can have two marshmallows. And so they did this with a lot of different kids and they filmed them. And so some of these kids, you can imagine this, that, you know, they're looking at this marshmallow and they're like, oh, I want this. Some kids just popped it in their mouth. They just ate it right away. You know, some kids, they're looking at it, they're smelling it, and then eventually they eat it. And some kids were able to kind of resist. Uh, they're, it, they recognize, I could get two marshmallows if I don't eat this one. And so some would try to distract themselves. You know, they'd play a little game or sing a little song. They'd do what they could. Is they're just trying to use their willpower to resist. But they did this experiment, and then later on they tracked these kids to see how did their lives turn out. The ones that were able to uh, delay their gratification, to push off the reward. Because some kids, they just wanted it right then and there. And they just got the one marshmallow, but some were able to push it off and they got the, the two marshmallows. And so that the kids that were willing to delay gratification and waited for the second one, they ended up having higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, lower likelihood of obesity, better response to stress, better social skills reported by their parents, and just across uh, the board, you know, ended up with uh, things in life that ended up better. So there's some kind of connection here that between just having an attitude of being able to push off the reward until later and do do the work, do the unpleasant things first,
So it's something we need to realize. It's something that the kids need to realize, something we need to help our kids to realize, that you work first and you play later. And didn't God give us this pattern? God, for the first six days of creation, worked, and then on the seventh, God rested. You work six, this is the pattern, and then, then you rest. Rest is a part of it, reward is a part of it, but you work first, you do that. So diligence requires gratification. So diligence leads to prosperity. I'll say to you, diligence, I'll say like, it's just smart. It makes sense. I'll give you a few Proverbs that I think kind of hit on this. Proverbs 12, 11, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. So there's a contrast here. You work your land, you end up with bread. That's a good thing. But the other person, they follow worthless pursuits, things that are, why are you wasting your time with these things? And I don't know what it would have been, you know, 3,000 years ago when it was written. They're worthless pursuits. We can think of all kinds of worthless things that people waste their time on today. But it says not just that it is something that leads to poverty, but here's it, it doesn't make sense. It, it lacks sense. You know, the, the, you're not going to get actual food from that video game. You're not going to get actual food from, from sleeping. There are these things that we do that may be fine in their place in small proportion or as a reward at the end, but it doesn't make sense to not be diligent. Being diligent in your work is what makes sense. Here's another one. Think about this. Meditate on this one. Proverbs 14.4, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. And I think, well, yeah, I want a clean manger, and the oxen, they'll just mess it up, you know, and they're doing their bodily things, and it's, you got to clean up after these oxen. I guess it'd be better to not have oxen. Well, yeah, your manger might be clean, but the proverb goes on and says, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. It's worth having that mess that you have to deal with because it is a means to the end. It's a tool. It's something that needs to happen. So the diligent man knows that the mess from the ox is worth it because of the benefit that they produce. He can do a cost-benefit analysis that, yeah, there's some short-term things. There's some parts of this that are undesirable, but it's worth it because this needs to happen for this other greater thing to happen. So a diligent person has long-term thinking and does the things that, that need to happen for the, for the greater reward, for the greater result. Proverbs twenty four twenty seven: Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. I think what this is getting across is that the diligent person knows the importance of doing the right things in the right order. It's not just working hard, and it's not just doing the right things, but doing them in the right order. And so much of life is doing the right things in the right order. If someone says, well, I've got to build my house first, and they never plant their crops and they never do that, they have a house and then they starve to death. But saying, okay, get the crops going, get what you need to, and then you can work on your house and so you need to think about what are the things in your life that make sense that I got to do this, but I got to do it in the right order. 
We've talked at times about what's been called the, the millennial success sequence. And this is something that people have realized this is not even from, this is not uh, a passage in the Bible. This is something that even non-Christians have realized, oh, if you do these things in the right order, it tends to go well. That if you graduate from high school, uh, if you get a, 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 a full-time job and get married before having kids, uh, that your chances of being in poverty are very, very small. Whereas if you don't do those things, your chances of being in poverty are, are pretty big. So much of it is not just doing the right things, but doing them in the order that makes sense. So spend time thinking about that. Not just what do I need to do, but what order do I need to do them in? What is the, uh, what makes sense now for me to do? And you keep track of the other things, so don't fall off your radar, but be strategic, be smart about the order that you need to do things. Proverbs 23, 4. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. And I was glad that this one was in there as well because this reminds us that there's another side to things as well. Because otherwise we could look at all these pro- proverbs and say, work hard and you get a lot of stuff. And this is good. And even if it doesn't always work that way, oftentimes it does. But this is reminding us too that there are limits to this that this is not the ultimate focus in life. The ultimate focus in life isn't about getting wealth. It isn't about getting riches. If we, those things can be good, hopefully not just to use selfishly, but we want to take care of ourselves first, but then we also want to be able to have resources that we can share, that we can use to help those that have genuine needs. And if we don't have those resources, we can't use them in the lives of other people. So, I mean, having a degree of of wealth and money can be a good thing. It's about the attitude and how we have that and how we use that. But don't think this is the ultimate thing that we are going after. Wealth is not the ultimate goal in life. It is not the ultimate good. In the New Testament, it tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. But the wise, diligent man, the wise, diligent person knows also when to stop. Knows that work is not everything. Knows that rest is also important. And God taught us this as well too. God created, he worked six days and then he rested. He commanded rest. He commanded Sabbath. And so we need to make sure that we're doing that too. Not overdoing it, but we need to make sure that we are taking the time to uh, to to have that rest and to rest in him and to focus on God. To focus on the things that are not just about the daily concerns of just this life down here. So be discerning enough to desist when you need to. So there's a lot of other things we could you know, look at too. It's wise to encourage a good work ethic. It's foolish to discourage a good work ethic. I think we need to think about that for our kids. I think it's good to think about that for society in general. I mean, what are things that may be well-meaning uh, but are actually discouraging a good work ethic? Proverbs 16.26 says, A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. There's a certain thing that's built in that our hunger, our desire, prompts us to work, and that can be a good thing. We don't want people starving, but having the, the desire that i got to take care of myself uh, causes people to work. And so 
there's a point where for an able-bodied adult, if they're uh, not having to work for what they uh, are, receive, that I think we're doing a disservice to them. That it can be encouraging sloth, encouraging this attitude of, um, of not being a diligent worker, not being someone that views work as a good thing. And we're created for that. And I think when you take that away from someone, you're taking away uh, part of what they were created for, part of what God called them for, and you're taking away their dignity. It is a dignified thing when you are able to, to, to work and to contribute. And that can happen in a lot of different ways. And we said a lot of times there can be excuses, and sometimes there are reasons. But, you know, thinking about this, there are people that are quadriplegics that have written books that have done, uh, you know, amazing things. And so there are always ways to contribute. And you may hit the point in your life where you've retired. Okay, and that's great. It's good to hit that. But also, that doesn't mean that we, you've retired from everything. People, you find different ways to contribute, different ways to help others, different ways to fulfill your callings that God has given you. And again, we don't want to discourage a good work ethic. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And I think that corresponds to that proverb saying a worker's appetite works for him. So there can be a good connection there. The last point as we wrap up, we said that there's no beauty in laziness. And I want to finish by talking about the opposite, that... I think what we can say is that diligence is admirable. There is something admirable in this. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. This is why we have the ant picture. Go to the ant. Okay, consider the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. See those ants working? That same day I was watching the spider and one of the flies you know, that they're around I had killed and was on the ground and a bunch of ants came up and I watched them. You know, they all teamed up and they picked it up and they carried it away. I'm like, good job. Thank you, guys. These ants, they work hard. It's amazing. The passage goes on and talks, you know, it said the sluggard, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. There are other Proverbs we could look at. Proverbs twenty-two nineteen. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And we could take time to look at the end of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 31, where it talks about the, the Proverbs 31 woman. And we see her industry, we see her her uh, ability and effort to, to work um, and all the things that she does. She sees wool and flax and working with willing hands. And then it concludes the whole book of Proverbs. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This is a commendable attitude. Let's finish with these things. Diligent work reflects the character of God. And that's ultimately why it is admirable. I was tempted for a while to have the main points just be, uh, you know, laziness leads to poverty and diligence leads to prosperity. Because I thought there are a lot of Proverbs that really talk about that. 
But I thought, no, there's something about, you know, there's a connection between the, the good, beautiful, and the true, and they're all, they're all part of, you know, ethics and, and morality. And in some ways that the laziness is unattractive, it's unbeautiful, that's because it's unlike how God is. God is a worker. He has created work. He is the creator, and he's created us to be like him. And we can't create out of nothing, but he has given us callings. He has given us things to do to make the world a better place, to improve our lives, to improve the lives of those around us in many different ways. Work, again, is a good thing created before sin entered into this world. And so diligence, work, is admirable because God is like that. And as we grow and become more Christ-like, we're going to have that attitude instead. We also need to remember that laziness is a choice, and it's a choice that becomes a habit. And diligence is a choice that becomes a habit. So don't just think that someone is either born diligent or born lazy. I think it's an accumulation of the choices that we make. And you can be making choices that lead to you having a habit and then a character that is of a sluggard. Or you can start making choices that will, it might not happen just right away, but becomes more of a habit of being diligent, being someone that that works, that looks for things that uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, in all these different ways, and it becomes part of your character. But it's choices that result in habits that result in character. And laziness and diligence isn't just about calling in the workplace. It's also about your callings in your family, in your community, and your local church. It might be easy to think about this. This is just about, you know, in the workplace, going and getting a job, and that's probably part of it. And for most of us, for a large part of our life, that that is going to be a part of it. But those aren't the only callings that we have. And there are callings that you have in, if you have a family, uh, to be a good husband and a father, to be a good uh, wife, to be a good mother, uh, for the grandparents you're pouring into your family, if you're, your kids, your role in the family. And in so many ways, that's even uh, more, so much of what we do in the workplace is to provide for our family, not just for that. We're providing for society, and I won't go into all that, but there's these different callings, and they're all important. Our, our role in the community with our neighbors, helping other people, helping those that are in need, and in your local church. So think about your attitude in all of these. Don't just think, well, I'm a hardworking person, uh, you know, when I, I get my truck and I go to work, uh, but then I come home and I don't get a rip about my family. I don't put any effort into helping my kids to become the men and women that God created them to be. I don't put any time into pouring into them, to doing the work of, of discipling them, disciplining them, loving them. I don't do the work of, of loving my, my wife and doing what I need to do. So think about your attitude in all of these different areas. Do you help your neighbor? Do you help those around? Are you part of God's work in the local church, fulfilling God's mission to us to make disciples for his glory? That means us being disciples first of all, but it means pouring into other people's lives. And it might mean that you're having conversations, you're evangelizing, you're telling other people about Christ that you're sharing things that you know. Maybe you're formally uh, discipling someone or you're helping out with youth group or you're helping out in the nursery so that people are being discipled. 
Okay? Think of your attitude in all of these different areas. But remember, all of this is good. Okay? Hard work is a good thing. It's what we should have. But your hard work will not get you into heaven. We have to make sure we remember this because we're talking about this, this, this virtue. And I don't want to leave you thinking that, well, God is happy with people that work hard, and so that's what's going to get you into heaven. That's what means that you're blessed. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to our salvation, the clear truth of Scripture is that there's no way that you could ever work hard enough to get yourself into heaven. That we've blown it, and it's not a matter of, well, I'll work harder now. In fact, Scripture tells us the opposite. If you want to be forgiven, and we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God, there's a sense for that we need to stop working. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says it this way, Now to the one who works, working for your salvation, his wages are not counted as a gift, but is due. You're going to get what you have coming to you, which actually the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And to the one who does not work, on the other hand, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So in order to be right with God, it's not a matter of I'm going to be a good worker, I'm going to try hard, that's what God loves. You have to actually stop working for your salvation. You have to stop trying to earn it and recognize that you can't. That we are spiritually bankrupt before God. And that Jesus Christ is the one that he has done all that is required. He has paid it all. He has done all the work that you and I could never do. And so we have to quit trying to earn our salvation, that's part of it, and we turn to him and trust Jesus Christ, the Lord, as Savior, the one who took our place and did what we could never do. If you have any questions about that, I would love to talk to you. Pastor Nick, there's others we would love to talk to you about that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for creating us with the the dignity of work because you are a God that works hard. Again, we praise you that you created this world and that you uphold it at every moment, Lord God. So we thank you for that. Thank you for calling us in so many ways in the workplace, in the home, in the church, in our community, to put forth effort to make the world a better place. Help us to live our lives in a way that is good and makes sense, Lord God, that tends to lead to good outcomes. And we recognize it's not by being lazy or a sluggard, So help us to to get that out of our hearts and instead to make decisions that help to build character to be more and more like you. Not to earn our salvation, Lord God. We recognize we can't and we depend just upon you. But as we become more like you, we do that out of love and gratitude, knowing this is what we are called for. So we give you praise and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.